But anyway, Luke chapter 8 uh, is very familiar ground. And I think sometimes it's more difficult to speak when you're on familiar ground. Um, and this has to be one of the most familiar stories that Jesus ever told. And uh, if you ask anyone, you know, what parables do you know? There's a good chance they'll know this one and the prodigal son and maybe the good Samaritan. This is the, the parable of the sower is what it's known as and what the heading in your Bible might say. But remember, the heading was not inspired by the Holy Spirit. Uh, and more accurately, I think this should be called the parable of the soils. Uh, rather than the parable of the sower. So let's read from from Luke chapter 8. We'll start off in in verse 1. After this, Jesus traveled about from one town and village to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. The twelve were with him, and also some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Mary, called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had come out. Joanna, the wife of Chuza or Cusa or whatever that is, the manager of Herod's household, Susanna, and many others. These women were helping to support them out of their own means. There's not much to say on that, but Luke has recorded it because he wants you to know that Jesus was quite happy to have women traveling with him, with the, the twelve as well, and he was quite happy to be supported by these women. He needed to eat, and he needed places to sleep, and he needed all sorts of practical things, and these women had a little bit of wealth and a bit of means about them, and they were willing to help out, and Jesus was absolutely good with that. Jesus gave women dignity that they did not have in the first century world. He changed, we, we, we're so far removed from it that we don't realize it, but he changed the perception of the world towards women. And these women traveled with him and supported him, and Luke sees fit to, to record for all of history uh, their names and what they did. While a large crowd was gathering and people were coming to Jesus from town after town, he told this parable. A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path that was trampled on and the birds ate it up. Some fell on rocky ground and when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Other seed fell among thorns which grew up with it and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than what was sown. When he said this, he called out, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. His disciples asked him what this parable meant. And he said, the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God has been given to you. But to others, I speak in parables so that though seeing, they may not see, though hearing, they may not understand. That's one of the most confusing and difficult things that came out of Jesus' mouth. This is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. Those along the path are the ones who hear. And then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. Those on the rocky ground are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. They believe for a while, but in the time of testing, they fall away. The seed that fell among thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and they do not mature. But the seed in good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart, who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering produce a crop 
No one lights a lamp and hides it in a clay jar or puts it under a bed. Instead, they put it on a stand so that those who come in can see the light. For there's nothing hidden that will not be disclosed and nothing concealed that will not be known or brought out into the open. Therefore, consider carefully how you listen. Whoever has will be given more and whoever does not have, even what they think they have, will be taken from them. Let's just pray briefly before we dive in. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for an opportunity to freely open it up and read it and consider it. And we ask, Holy Spirit, that you would open our hearts, that you would stir up faith within us, that we would mix faith with your word and that it would achieve the purpose for which you're sending it. In Jesus' name, amen. So why do some people begin the Christian journey but seem to fade away after a while? Why do some people joyously raise their hands in worship, but a, a year or two later they, they wouldn't even cross the threshold of a church, never mind engage in worship? Why do some people get baptized, but a few years later they're nowhere to be seen? We've seen various responses already in the Gospel of Luke to Jesus. We have seen a fisherman called Peter fall at his feet. We've seen a tax collector called Levi hand in his resignation with immediate effect. And follow Jesus. We've seen a centurion whose servant got healed, a widow whose son was raised from the dead, a sinful woman who washed Jesus' feet with her tears and dried them with her hair. We've also seen him rejected in his hometown. We've also seen the religious leaders stand by and pick holes in everything he does. We've seen a crowd try to throw him off a cliff and stone him. Not everyone is receiving the message. And what's happening in the gospel as Jesus goes from place to place and speaks about the kingdom of God is that people's hearts are being exposed. The light is shining and what's inside them is coming out. And Jesus tells this parable that sums up the responses of different people to his teaching. As I said earlier, it's not really the parable of the sower. It's more the parable of the soils. We are to compare these different soils. The seed is the word of God and the technique that the sower Jesus is using is one that in, in sort of gardening horticultural terms is called broadcasting where you're not sort of going along and, and placing seeds specifically a certain distance apart. Uh, you're just scattering. You have a bag of seed maybe hanging on, on a strap on your shoulders and you're reaching in and you're scattering the seed. Broadcasting is what it's called. All the same seed, all liberally scattered. It's, it, he's not selective. I'm going to put my seed into this person's heart, but I'm not going to put it into that person's heart. No, no, no. Just liberal broadcasting of the seed. And the thing that's different then is the soil. And the heart of the parable. Is, is this idea of listening carefully to the Word of God, hearing it, taking it in. That's the whole purpose of what Jesus is challenging, is how people hear the message that he brings. And I think the soils, as we look at them, I think certainly for me, there is a danger that at any given moment my heart can tend towards one of the negative types of soil. <laughs> I, 
I'd love to say it's always good soil. I want it to always be good soil. But depending on circumstances and other things, sometimes if we're being honest in evaluating the soil of our hearts, it maybe isn't the good soil that we want it to be. It's maybe one of the other soils. So listen carefully. This is so simple and it's so familiar and you've heard it before. But maybe we need to hear it again. And maybe as we start uh, 2022, we need to be once again just reminded most of us have started probably a new reading plan or a new devotional book or, or an app or something that we're using throughout the year to take us into the Word of God. And here, here's a chance in, in this part of Scripture just to really have the soil of our heart well prepared so that those seeds can, can bear fruit in it. The first seed or the first type of soil that the seed hits isn't really soil at all. It's the path. And it's trampled on and the birds eat it up. And later when Jesus explains the parable, he says, those on the path are the ones who hear, but then the devil comes. So those cute little birds in the garden, <laughs> uh, they're the devil, all right, according to Jesus and some other people I know that will remain unmentioned. Um, I don't know exactly what type of birds they were, but I believe I got a revelation last night from an angel that they are pigeons. <laughs> okay, <laughs> they're pigeons. Pigeons can red up a lot of expensive, carefully sown seed very, very quickly indeed. Isn't that true? Yes, that is true. Some, some pigeons, sometimes you have small pigeons in your garden. Sometimes very large pigeons come to your garden <laughs> and uh, get up to all sorts of mischief. The, the devil takes the word from their hearts. So let's be really aware of the fact that there is a real devil who is really trying to take God's word out of your heart before it can actually penetrate and achieve anything. There is a, a, a force of evil trying to prevent people from receiving the message that Jesus brings. The seed on the path, it just sits on the surface, doesn't penetrate at all. Um, Matthew adds a wee bit more here in his record of this parable. Matthew says that these people are those who hear the message about the kingdom but don't understand it. And I remember reading that, I think it was some stage last year, going through my reading plan and reading that and thinking the importance of teaching and communicating the message of Jesus in a way that people can understand. Not going over people's heads all the time with lofty thoughts, but communicating in a way that can be understood. Because this first type of hearer, this first type of heart, didn't understand the word. Now, it's not necessarily the fault of the sower or the fault of the seed. It's to do with the heart. But there was a lack of understanding. Is it any wonder that whenever somebody becomes exposed to the message of the kingdom of God, maybe for the first time, that the devil ups his game to try and get that seed away out of their heart, to distract them and to keep them from hearing the word of God. These people pay no attention to the word. They do not, they do not hear it. It is snatched before it can lodge. Now, you might remember a couple of months ago, Daniel spoke one morning from Luke and his message was entitled In One Ear and Out the Other. And he made the point, from a few articles and a few, a few things that he'd read about the fact that we are bombarded with information that we are not required to respond to. 
There's a guy called, his surname was Postman. I can't remember his first name, I think it was Neil. But he, he wrote a book, and this is a point that he, he made in his book. We're living in a world, you know, a century ago, the news that you heard was local news and you responded to it because it was probably the guy next door whose, whose barn was on fire and you needed to go and help put the fire out. You had to respond to anything you heard. Whereas we're living in an age where we are constantly bombarded with stuff that we don't need to respond to. And if we're not careful, that can get into our hearts with the Word of God as well. And we can very easily bombard ourselves with truth but have a mindset or a soil type in our hearts that we feel like we don't really need to respond to it. And I do sort of throw the challenge out every now and again. When was the last time you responded to something in the Word of God? Because if, a lo- if it's a long time ago, there's something wrong. When was the last time you read and you just felt the Holy Spirit maybe speaking to you, maybe showing you how to pray about a matter? As you, you probably know, most of you, my dad was in hospital there for, for two weeks or, or just over two weeks. He got out on Thursday. Thank God. Thanks for praying for him. Please continue to do so. Um, but as I was reading Psalms, the early Psalms in, in early January, I read about, I can't find the verse now because I read it on my iPad and highlighted it instead of my Bible. But the, 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 the verse said, set me free from my prison. No, it was the later Psalms, actually. It was towards the end of December. Set me free from my prison that I may praise you. And I've probably read that loads of times. But on that occasion, I felt God saying, that's how you pray. That's how you pray for your dad. Pray for him to be set free that he may praise me. And I prayed that. Every time I thought of him for after that, I prayed that prayer. We, when, we engage, you know, when was the last time you read God's word and you felt God challenging you? I need to change my attitude towards a certain person or towards a group of people. Or I need to acknowledge that I'm not right on this issue that I thought I was right on. When was the last time you were changed by it? Or is it just landing on the surface and being snatched away? We, we can... We can read and and expose ourselves to an awful lot of stuff and never absorb any of it podcasts like for my goodness (laughs) there's so much stuff out there and it's so good so much bible teaching and preaching and, and courses it is so good and you can feast at yourself on it but it all just bounces off you you're 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 overloading and you can't actually process Dallas Willard said, we are educated beyond our ability to obey. We're bombarded with so many seeds that we don't actually take any of them in. So is the soil of your heart a little bit hard? Is the seed landing and being snatched? Can you remember what you read yesterday morning? (laughs) Can you remember what you read last week? Or is our, our Bible reading just a sort of a, a ritual to, to get it done and feel good that we've done it rather than actually taking it in? The second type of ground is rocky ground where the seed, whereas the seed on the path didn't even germinate, the seed on the rocky ground did germinate and it comes up. But the plants wither because there's no moisture. And Jesus goes on to explain those in the rocky ground are those who receive the word with joy. 
you know, there's a whole, woohoo, yes, I've heard from God and I'm going to follow Jesus and, and blah, blah, blah. And they're singing and they're dancing and everything's just boom for a few months, maybe even a year or two. But they've no root. Jesus says there's, there's, been, there's something above the surface, there's something visible, but there's nothing going on underneath the surface. There's no problem with the seed and there's no problem with the sower, but the ground is rocky. And some of the ground in Palestine would have been like this, where you'd have had some good topsoil, but not too far underneath it. There's limestone, and therefore plants could not or would not put down a good enough root to be able to stand whenever the sun came up. They believe for a while, but in the time of testing, they fall away. You know those first few months, the honeymoon period with Jesus, <laughs> where, where you're just, whoa, everything's amazing. And the sun's shining brighter and the birds are singing louder and, and everything is just class. And you're reading the Bible and everything you read just seems to be for you. And, and then after a while, life gets tight, <laughs> difficult. Following Jesus is not the guarantee of an easy life. Definitely, definitely not. And these people believe for a while, but they're shallow. Shallow. They don't put down roots. They don't discipline themselves to get anchored in God, anchored in Jesus. They have all the resources that they need to do so, but they still don't do it. They don't prioritize it. And then when life gets a little bit tough or gets a wee bit more difficult to take your stand and follow Jesus, to be honest in business, whatever it may look like for you, all of a sudden they're off. <laughs> they're gone. And Matthew again gives us a little bit more detail. Matthew says that this trouble or persecution comes because of the word. You find yourself faced with something in work or in a relationship or in some aspect of life where you can go with the word. <laughs> you can go with Jesus, but it's difficult. Or you can ignore that and you can take the easy option. The initial response is challenged by something else and people fade away. They go as quickly as they come. Like a, like a shooting star, you know, just that brief, awesome brightness and then you're like, where did it go? <laughs> and a few years ago, I felt God really, really speaking to me through Psalm 1. Psalm 1 talk, you know, contrasts the, the, the man who doesn't walk in the way of the unrighteous and sinners and that with, with the, the man who does. And in verse 3, says that the person who, who, who chooses to meditate on God's word and to, to chew on it and to, to believe it, that person's putting roots down. It says they're like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in due season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. And I remember preaching on this years ago, maybe 15 years ago, and, and thinking about it and feeling God's just saying to me, this person described in the psalm is not dependent on the rain. And if we think of the rain as being an awesome church service or conference or gathering or whatever it may be, when you just feel, and I love those moments, you know I do, you just feel the presence of God is there, falling like rain, thick in the air, and it's class, and it just boosts you and lifts you, and it's brilliant. But you can't live on that. You can't be dependent on the rain because there are seasons in life that are seasons of drought. 
Maybe this pandemic has been a bit of a season of drought for some people where we have not been able to be together and enjoy those moments of singing in the rain, so to speak, that we love. We have to put our roots down so that when it's dry and it's not raining, we are still drawing living water from the river. Now, we don't care. In the hottest days of last summer, we had some bonkers hot days last summer, but the trees still had lovely lush green leaves on them. They didn't need the rain. The roots went down deep and were able to find moisture. And somebody that is like this seed on the rocky ground, whenever the heat comes, the plant quickly withers. And it's exposed that nothing actually happened under the surface. Then there's the thorny ground. Other seed fell among thorns which grew up with it and choked the plants. Jesus says that seed that fell among thorns stands for those who hear. But as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches and pleasures. And they do not mature. Now, let's be honest. My heart usually is not really like the first soil, the path. It's usually not hard and resistant to the seed. Um, It's usually not like the rocky ground that lacks depth. But this is the one where I find myself in danger. (laughs) The thorny ground. Where other things grow. Now there are hedges around our, our property and there's, there's, there's three sides of it that are a, a particular type of hedge that I will cut about maybe four times a year. And then the other side of it is Leilandi. <laughs> and if you've ever cut that, it's a beast. And you cut that once a year because it's a hideous experience cutting it and gathering it up and disposing of it. But in, in the middle of some of that Leilandi, there, there are a few brambles, a few sort of thorn bushes And I am shocked every year at how much those things have grown in one year. And the more time they have to grow, the harder they are to shift. Big, big, serious thorns on them. Even your gloves are not going to protect you from these. Thorns grow quickly. They are hard to move. And in this context, Jesus says they're not some gross sin. They are worries and riches and pleasures of normal life which whenever they get in and start to choke the word are sin but they're not they're not things that we would look at that come with a red light and a a siren blazing saying hi i'm sin these are subtle sins subtle things that get into the garden and choke the life of the word of god where i'm hearing jesus i'm hearing and i'm receiving the seed but i'm also hearing all these other things screaming for my attention Oh, it's so easy in our culture to get there. So, so easy. It's amazing how quickly those things will grow. And I I wonder sometimes, can too much church activity actually become a thorn? That we're so busy running to meetings that we are not actually taking the time to have a receptive heart in the quiet place to allow the seed of Jesus' words and his message to actually root down in our hearts and grow to produce fruit because we're so busy doing churchy stuff. (laughs) 
Just this week, I started to withdraw from something that I've been involved in for a few years. It is not a bad thing. It's a brilliant thing. And there's, you know, part of a team that got it established in Ireland. But lately, I've realized I, I have too many things growing in the garden. And, and whenever you're planting stuff, whether, you know, whether it's flowers or vegetables or whatever it is, if they're too close together, they start to compete with one another and neither of them will do well. And there comes a time you've got to move stuff. You've got to take something away and say, right, that, that's not a thorn and it's not a weed, but there ain't room in this bed for this to grow. It's got to be moved and grow somewhere else. I think this is the most accurate description of where our hearts and our culture can move. And, and we, we see that the, the, the growth is choked by riches. Um, we read elsewhere in the gospel about the deceitfulness of riches. And I remember again one time just thinking about that. And, and God saying to me, do you know what? That doesn't just apply to wealthy people. Wealth will deceive all sorts of people. Wealth will deceive those who have it. And wealth will also deceive those who do not have it, but think it would be better if they did. (laughs) Wealth just deceives people. And it is a very difficult thing to handle. And it will grow and it will choke the word of God in our hearts. But then at the end, there is this good soil that yields a crop a hundred times more than what was sown. We have no idea, folks, what can happen in our lives when we prepare our hearts and receive the word of God. A hundredfold is an absolutely ridiculous yield from a seed. We have no concept of what, what it can look like whenever a heart is open and receptive to the word of God. The sower is the same. The seed is the same. The difference is the heart. Jesus says that it is a good or a noble and a good heart. That's basically two words that mean the same thing. A heart that is prepared to receive the word of God. And they persevere and produce a crop. They don't persevere and keep going to church. They don't persevere and keep going to meetings. They don't persevere and keep reading books. The difference is they produce a crop. Or other versions of your Bible might say they bear fruit. That's the difference. There might be four types of soil in this parable, but there are really only two outcomes. There are three types of soil that don't produce fruit for various different reasons. And then there is one type of soil that does produce fruit. And the fruit is the transformed life. The fruit is Christian character. The fruit is that you bear light when you go into dark places. The fruit is your kindness and your generosity to people. The fruit is is that whenever you rub shoulders with people, grace rubs off on them. And you might not even realize it, but you've brought the presence of God into their lives or into a particular situation. That's the fruit. And this good soil is the only one that bears any fruit. And the question then is, you know, those other soils, and this is not the point of the parable, but it's a question that arises. Soil number two, rocky ground, initial growth, and then keeled over when the sun came up. And soil number three, thorny ground, initial growth, but got choked by other stuff. The question is, were those people Christians? It's not the point of the parable. (laughs) But I don't think they were. Because Jesus said in John 15, when you abide in me, you'll bear fruit. And if you're not bearing fruit, 
something wrong. Nothing's happened. Those who abide in him and those who receive the seed of his word over the long haul. Notice that he says persevering. This is not an overnight thing. This is not a one week or one month thing. This is over the long haul. Bearing fruit. The point of the parable is how you hear. And with this we we draw to a close. How you hear the word of God. What, What is a parable? I was always told when I was wee that a parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. And I believe there's some value to that. I believe Jesus did reach for things that people would understand and use them to illustrate the kingdom of God. But when Jesus was asked why he spoke in parables, his disciples came to him and said, what what does the parable mean? In Matthew 13, they asked, why do you speak in parables at all? What are you doing? (laughs) Why are you not more clear? And what Jesus does is, he says a very difficult thing. A very difficult thing. Now this is his response. When when somebody says, why do you speak in parables? He doesn't say, I'm giving people earthly stories with heavenly meanings. I I think that's part of it. I'm not rejecting that. That's part of it. Here's what he says. The knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God has been given to you. Those who listen, the disciples. Those who press in and are close to Jesus and have left behind other things to prioritize hearing him. The secret of the kingdom of God has been given to them. But to others I speak in parables. So and and why? Why, Jesus, do you speak in parables? Are you ready for the answer? Because it stings big time. (laughs) He says, I speak to others in parables so that though seeing, they may not see. And that though hearing, they may not understand. Jesus, are you saying that you use parables so that some people will not understand? Yes, I am. Goodness me. (laughs) That's a difficult one to reconcile in our hearts. Shall we leave it there for the day and just sing and go about our way? How do you deal with this? There's various ways you can deal with it. Some theologians, some scholars deal with it with the doctrine of predestination, which would basically say that some people, no matter what they do, cannot get born again, cannot receive Jesus, cannot receive salvation, that God has determined in advance, predestined them for hell. I despise that. I passionately despise that. Because it flies in the face of so much of Scripture and so much of Jesus. I I just have no time for that at all. This is the Jesus who is broadcasting the seed. He's not saying, put a wee bit in your heart, but not your heart. No, he's scattering it everywhere. So I don't think predestination is an acceptable way to explain this difficult thing that Jesus says. Jesus is actually quoting And if Jesus quotes, we should go back and read where he's quoting from. And he's quoting from Isaiah chapter 6. And in the first five chapters of Isaiah, basically God is saying, I want to deliver my people. I want to come and tend to my vineyard and, and, and cause my vineyard to bear fruit. But my people are choosing idolatry and they're choosing to put their trust in other things. So we've got five chapters in the Isaiah of God saying, I have come to deliver you, but you want your idols. 
And then in Isaiah 6, strangely, six chapters in, we get the call of Isaiah. And it's there for a reason. It's pitched against the previous five chapters. And Isaiah, as you know, you know, he encounters the presence of God in the temple. He sees the Lord. He sees angels. And it's incredible. And one of the angels touches his lips with a hot coal. And Isaiah realizes his uncleanness and the uncleanness of the people. And he repents. And then God, he hears a voice saying, Who shall I send? Who will go for us? And Isaiah's all blessed up. And he says, me, <laughs> I'll go, I'll do it. You know, pick me. Can you see donkey? <laughs> you do know who donkey is, don't you? Yeah, okay. Who will go for it? And he's like, pick me, pick me, pick me. I'll go, I'll go. I'm all blessed up after this encounter. I'll go and I'll carry your message to the people. And God then says, right, Isaiah, here's your commission. Here's what your ministry is going to be like, Isaiah. I mean, just imagine him, sort of, you know, private jet and all. And God says, you're going to go and you're going to tell this people, you're going to hear, but you're not going to understand. This is going to be the result of your preaching, Isaiah. People won't understand. That's great. They're going to see, but they're not going to really see. They're not going to perceive. Isaiah, here's the result of your preaching. You're going to make the heart of this people hard. And Isaiah's probably sitting thinking, hmm, don't pick me. I don't know that I want this ministry. You're going to make their ears dull and you're going to close their eyes. This is what your preaching is going to achieve, Isaiah. As you declare my word, the effect that it's going to have on people is that their hearts will become hard, their ears will become dull, and their eyes will be closed. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn and be healed. Goodness me, God, do you not want the people to turn? What is it that has a hard heart, eyes that can't see, and ears that can't hear? It is an idol. And God, through Isaiah, is judging the people. Isaiah's preaching is going to expose what's in their hearts. They are a people who have chosen idols. And God says, I made you in my image. You have chosen to worship idols. You can now be made in the image of your idols with a hard heart, with eyes that can't see and with ears that can't hear. That is my judgment on these people who have chosen idolatry instead of choosing my offer of deliverance. And Jesus is saying that something similar is happening for him. As he comes and he speaks parables, those people who are rejecting him, the parables are exposing their hearts as hard, rocky, thorny ground and Jesus preaching is act even though he comes with the message of the kingdom of God his message is judgment on those who are rejecting him and it exposes their hearts the Pharisees the religious people the people of Nazareth who would not believe in him he is exposing his ministry is exposing their hearts but for those who will listen The choice remains in the heart of every single human being. It is entirely up to them how they respond to the word of God. They have a choice. I can remain outside. When you read Mark's gospel around this parable of the sower, you will read about Jesus' family and Mark or whoever comes to Jesus says, your family are outside. And then a few verses later, you read about the disciples who are inside with him. 
That's not the secret club where Jesus says, I'm going to pick you few people and you can understand and the rest can't. No, Jesus is saying those who choose to come inside, those who hear the word and choose to have a heart that is broken up, that is well prepared and want to come and sit with me and receive the word, the word will bear fruit in that heart. But those who choose to reject it, which is entirely their choice, the word will expose their hearts and the word will be judgment on them. It's a difficult message. When Jesus was asked, why do you speak in parables? It's it's got this double edge for those who will listen. It'll bless them. They'll understand the kingdom and it'll bear fruit. For those who want to reject me, it will just expose the hardness of their hearts. I hope I've explained that fairly. So what soil is in my heart? What soil is in your heart? If you want to understand the parables and you want to understand the word of God and you want it to bear fruit in your life, you've one very easy thing you need to do. Get close to Jesus. Get inside. The door's open. Don't stay outside. Get inside and get close. When you get up in the morning, if you read the word in the morning, when you get up in the morning, just visualize your heart being broken up and the soil being prepared. I have my routine in the morning. Sometimes I get a bit, a bit more time than others. Sometimes it's quite brief. But I try to posture my heart before God that I'm not just reading his word so I can tick the box and say that's that chapter done. But that I'm listening. Be careful how you hear. Be careful how you hear. They all heard it. But is your life so full of distractions and other things that it's choked out and can't grow? Are you shallow and undisciplined when it comes to putting roots down that whenever the pressure comes on, all of a sudden you wilt? Or is your heart hard altogether that the seed just drops on the surface and Satan, it's easy, just sends a pigeon to take it away? Be careful how you hear. The church over history has changed the world in many aspects. No one would have thought in the first century that that women would have been treated equally to men. But Jesus changed that. No one would have thought in the first century that babies would have been valued because I'm sorry, as harsh as this sounds, if, if someone gave birth to a baby and they didn't want it, they threw it in the sewer. Whenever the ruins of Antioch were um, unearthed and archaeologists had their way, they found lots and lots of skeletons of babies in the sewers. Who would have thought that that would have changed, that every life should be valued? The church, Jesus, has changed that. Who would have thought that slavery in the vast majority of the world would be abolished? It was Christians that did that. You have no idea what you could do with a heart that is broken up as good soil and receives the word and allows it to grow and bear fruit. And maybe the church is not changing the world enough at the minute because our hearts are not good soil. There's no problem with the sower and there's no problem with the seed, but maybe our hearts are not good soil. And maybe it's particularly that third type of soil that is the problem for us with too much stuff growing in the bed. (laughs) And there's no chance for God's word to grow. 
the church needs better soil. I think something that I want to try to do this year, and you need to listen carefully if you don't misunderstand this, <laughs> I'm going to stop reading the Bible and I want to start hearing the Word. So that when I open this beloved book every morning, it's not just I'm reading my Bible. It's I'm hearing the Word. I'm listening to God. And, and a simple discipline that I have, and it's really simple, but a little notebook, and I, when I open the Bible, I open the notebook, and I set the pen on it as a way of almost just saying, God, I'm expecting there's going to be something that I'm going to write down. I'm not just listening to it as I'm trying to do other stuff or just skating through it. I am posturing my heart before you, expecting that I'm not just going to read, but that I'm going to hear. I will never again in my life read anything in the Bible for the first time. And a lot of you are in the same position. You've used reading plans over the years and you've read the whole thing at least once. So I will never read something in the Bible for the first time. But boy, there's a whole lot of stuff that I will hear for the first time. As I keep on opening it up and breaking up my heart before it and saying, Father, come and speak. I will read things that I've read before, but I will hear things that I've never heard before. Do you understand the difference? So let's put ourselves before God's word this year and listen carefully. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Guys, come on ahead.